Hello, hello, hello. We are back. And just like that, we're back for episode two. I'm Jeff Gross. And I'm Laura Licona. Nice to be back. It is. Talking to the people yeah. again. This is wonderful. I know. Episode two. So last episode, our first episode, not last, well, last and first That's episode, right. we kind of... We kicked it off. That's right. We talked about us. We let people know who we were. We talked about the Chamber of Commerce and the origin of the Chamber of Commerce. 111 years That's this right. chamber has been around. And we also talked about the diversity of the food scene in Queens. That's right. The most important part of this podcast. Ethnically diverse, I believe, was the phrase or the term that you use That's to correct. describe <laughs> the food scene in Queens. Yeah, which is an amazing food scene. And I can't wait to dabble and taste it all. So this episode we have on tap our This is Queensboro magazine. Childhood memories that we'll reminisce about. The food OG. There, there's an OG spot in Queens That's right. that I cannot wait to talk about because there was some gangster stuff going on. I mean, <laughs> gangster Likely stuff. Likely still is. <laughs> gangster stuff. And then something wonderful to eat. I cannot wait. Yeah, this is really exciting to start to delve deeper into our food scene. Uh, mm, I can smell it already. Yeah, so our listeners can tune in anytime and listen wherever they get their podcasts on Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean app, Player FM, and Samsung. Nice. Yeah. So that's my QCC. So the August issue of our This Is Queensboro magazine is like near and dear to your heart because you put a lot of work into that. What a labor of love that was. An all-food issue of This is Queensboro magazine. Pretty amazing. And typically our magazine is made up of content that's provided to us from our members. It's a member benefit to provide content to the magazine. So it's stories about milestones or innovation or great and wonderful things that our members are doing. But this particular issue and every so often we'll have a special issue yeah. this i believe is the first time we've had an issue 100 percent devoted to food yeah and it was actually pretty easy in a sense because we were able to highlight all of the people that have been along with us for the ride this year at um queen's day in albany our city field business expo so these are people who were really involved in their communities and it was very exciting to tell a little bit more of their story and get beautiful pictures of them and their food. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. Yeah, it's and a very colorful and issue. And that's the bonus and the beauty of This is Queensboro Magazine. It's a member benefit. So when you join the chamber, you have access to this magazine that is distributed to via our database 22,000 individuals yeah. and 4,000 copies in print. I mean, that's that's a lot. Absolutely. And I love that word access. Um, so that people are able to 
um, access resources, but our readers and our listeners are also able to access these small businesses. And the benefits far outweigh the investment that you make. I mean, of course it's an investment. So if you're a small business, a mom and pop, and you join for the 370, which is the entry level amount, you think about it. If you get one or two great clients or customers as a result of it, it pays for the membership a hundredfold. Absolutely. We have um, a catering business that we work with who was able to form relationships with four new corporate accounts just at the City Field Business Expo. Oh my gosh. And they're at NYU Langone, at the American Cancer Society. It's pretty amazing. But think about it. Back to access. Would they have had that access had they not interacted or participated in the event that Queen's Chamber hosted? Absolutely not. I don't believe so. I think that the fact that they woke up early and put in the effort to participate and get involved created the outcome. And you said the key word, participate, participate, participate. We host new member orientations every month for new members who join. And the message we drill in is you have to participate. You always whether it's the chamber or anything in life, you get out of it what you put into it. Yes, and one of our new members, Althea's Tropical Delights, she called me immediately after participating in the last meeting that she absolutely loved and got to network with you, Jeff. And her and her daughter are so cool. I saw them at a networking event, took a picture with them, and it was like, oh my gosh, you just feel the energy coming from her. Like, not only is our food amazing, which you have to try it for yourself. Those rum cakes are to die oh, for. Oh, wow. <laughs> but the energy, and it it's, food is love. And there's a lot of love that goes into food. And individuals like her and a number of others who are passionate about what they do, they pour love into their food. Oh, that can't be overstated. Food is a vessel. So whatever you're feeling is going to come through in that vessel of food. And yes, you can feel their love. And hers certainly comes through. So you are a food, not anthologist. Could be. But a food anthropologist. Anthropologist. Which means? Which means anthropology, the study of humanity and culture and how we have you know, lived on this planet for so long, how we change and grow, all of our rites of passage. But to study food specifically is how humans interact with food and environment and how the environment shapes us and how we shape it with whatever whatever you're you're studying. And food comes in and food is essential to that. I mean absolutely. It's essential to us being alive, just like water and air. So when you think about when you go back when you think origin and you think food I mean, back to the caveman days and back to, I guess caveman would be the farthest we'd go back. Right? I always wanted to have a class in who first ate this. It's like the chicken <laughs> or the egg. Yeah, how did they know that that was edible and good? I mean, there's so many wonderful stories about that, about Pacific West Coast Indians learning how to wash the tannins out of the acorns so it wouldn't kill them and they could make a bread. Tannins, are, the, tannins are those things that are in wines. <laughs> yeah. that give me a headache, which is why I don't drink red wine because it gives me a headache every time. Well, tannins, <laughs> too many tannins. Yeah. So who was the first to know how to get rid of that? It's amazing. And 
clearly the cavemen were not picky about food like certain individuals. I'm so picky when it comes to food. For the longest, I never wanted food to touch. I didn't want the mashed potatoes to touch the peas. Which is so interesting to me because I'm a mix it all together. And that's what everybody says. <laughs> like it's all going the same place. Yes, but I feel like you need to get there from different directions. And it's di- understandable. It also highlights each individual dish better. If you're not mixing them all together, you can really taste the flavors. I get that part. It's it's So it's not so much about the food touching, which it is, and I've gotten <laughs> better over the past 20 years, but it's really about, it's a texture thing. Mm. So I don't like soggy bread and juices from, say, spinach will drain into bread and the bread becomes soggy. So if I don't have wet, if it's like can, if it's dry stuff together, like a sandwich, for instance, yeah. when I order a burger at a restaurant, probably the worst person to go to a restaurant with because like, what about this? What about this? What about this? I don't order like lettuce and tomato because it makes the bread soggy. Interesting. Yeah. Everybody's got that. So favorite childhood memory around food. Gosh, that's such an, a huge topic and so interesting. Um, I grew up with uh, a family who grew their own food and butchered their own animals. So I have so many memories of food being just central to our lives. And I didn't know that people ate inside around the kitchen table. I thought you ate outside next to the fire. That was just totally normal to me growing up. Um, But I do remember a a time when I was very young and we butchered um, a cow, one of our cows, and they removed the tongue immediately. My mom went and cooked that up. So everybody got to eat the tongue while the rest of the butchery was going on. What was it like? I mean, as a, how old were you? Oh, gosh, I was probably eight. Was that the first time you'd experienced seeing a animal being butchered? And not the first time I was around it, but probably the first time I was directly involved, like helping. Yeah. And? And it was just normal. Wow. Yeah. And that's where we knew food came from, where you get it yourself. We didn't know that you went to a grocery store and picked it up like you you made your own food and I think that was such that was the thing like so many 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 years ago I mean we've evolved and things are so quick and fast now for individuals versus like back in the day like back in the day when individuals would prepare the food they would grow food people still grow food I mean it's not like that's a, a thing of the past people still grow food but now everything is so quick and fast. So that experience for you, I'm sure, was like, wow, that's seared in your brain. Yeah, yeah. It definitely was the jumping off point for everything that I did after that. So it <laughs> led you, that experience of the butchering of the cow and the tongue led you further down that path, of course, that eventually led you to food anthropologist yeah it was just an indelible experience as a child that made me unafraid of diving into things like sustainable agriculture and trying to understand food rights and food insecurity those were the things I was really interested in as a young college student so 
you had this cow butchering experience as an eight-year-old. Is there, you're laughing. I mean, you didn't it like. It's fascinating. It is. I can see. When you think about it, I'm eight and we're butchering the cow. Yeah. But when you think about it, are there any foods that are essentially off limits to you? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm I'm pretty, I eat everything. I love food. I am so adventuresome. I'm iguana tamales and um, howler monkey in the Lacondon rainforest in Chiapas. I mean, you name it. Um, but I don't like raw onions. <laughs> so there you go. So you can eat lions and tigers and bears, yeah. but raw onions No, they just kill my palate. They're <laughs> just too overwhelming. Wow. Yeah, I pick them out. What is it? <laughs> So if I ever make anything, uh, I'll have to let you know. Oh, by the oh, way, it has onions in that's it. That's right. Like and if they're too big, it just we can't have it. But I, you dice them up, and I've discovered diced, pre-diced onions about ten years ago at the grocery store. Mm. Oh, right. heaven! It removes a lot of labor. No it's more nice. of the tears and the hand smelling. Wow, We're like. But cooked onions are perfectly reasonable. Okay, so cook, yeah, they would be Delicious. cooked. I wouldn't yeah. just like hand you. It's like, oh, Laura, come yeah. over and join me for food and here's yeah. some raw onions. Yeah. Triggers. <laughs> would not want to trigger you on that. Those childhood fo- food memories. My Yeah, what about you, Jeff? When I think about it, I was always very basic. I grew up in the Midwest. Mom cooked, which was great, enjoyed all the meals that she prepared. But childhood memory food-wise... I would have to, I would say it's the chili because whenever, no spaghetti, whenever she made spaghetti, for some reason I would sprinkle sugar on it. Yeah. Amazing because it gives it this sweetness and it was so delicious. And then the other thing was peanut butter and jelly with chili. Not sure where that came from. Like chili beans? Like a bowl of chili, yeah. which I would, I take crackers and I crumble them up to like pixie dust yeah. and throw it on the chili. <laughs> and then I made a peanut, we would make, I would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So every time I had chili, I would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I love that. That's incredible. That's so wonderful. Oh, delicious. And also plenty of perfectly wonderful marinara sauce recipes use sugar. So I think you're onto something there. I was ahead of my time, a trailblazer (laughs) when it came to food. Exactly right. I also don't like milk. I hesitate to say the H word, but I do not like milk. Picture it. Kindergarten. My uncle was supposed to pick me up from kindergarten. We had a substitute teacher. Why do I remember this? I don't know. We had a substitute teacher. She let us out early. So we're leaving before, well, we, I think we had lunch maybe. So my uncle doesn't, p- doesn't pick me up. Two classmates were back and forth about, no, he's coming to my house. No, he's coming to my house. So I ended up going to David Hall's house. And David, if you're listening, kudos. <laughs> so I went to David Hall's house, and I remember distinctly when we arrived, said hello to his mom, and she said, oh, I'll make you guys lunch. And I said, as a kindergartner, probably what, six years old? By the way, I don't drink milk. Do you have something else I can have? <laughs> and she smiled pleasantly and said, Sure, I'll give you some grape juice. That was my milk story. Cannot stand milk. I don't know what it is. It's blah. 
and no offense to anyone who loves milk because I've seen people chug milk. I can't, I can't look at a glass that had milk in it. <laughs> I don't mind milk when it's in something, but just by itself. Ugh. Yeah. Well, we have tons of milk alternatives now too. But I, I, mi- I mix it with, I put it in. <laughs> so just milk alternatives. It's wonderful. You know, I just want to say food memories are the best kind of memories. And there are plenty of people who write about food as a memory. So those are just, they're seared into us. And it's just, it's part of the makeup of our beings. And so all of those stories are important. And it makes us who we are. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's, but it also helps us to go beyond the point that we are with oh such an important point because this is the opportunity to start exploring new things and trying new foods i think that is a perfect opportunity for us yes Restaurant Origins of Queens. So the first established restaurant in Queens is Nears Tavern. Yes. Goes back long time ago. They are located in Woodhaven. Wonderful little neighborhood. But they originally known when they opened in 1829 as the Blue Pump Room. Later known as the Old Abbey, and it was the spot for rough-and-tumble folks who were frequenting the races, specializing in rum. That's right, rum and maybe a little debauchery. I told you these folks were gangster. Can you imagine <laughs> what was going on back in 18... Picture it, 1820, 1830, 1831. Just the 19th century origins of restaurants everywhere is incredible, but the history in New York City obviously is one of the richest. So uh, I know you know because you are the food anthropologist. What was happening back in the early, mid 1800s in food? Yeah, well, the, the French Revolution had happened which created the origin of restaurants, kind of as we know them today. The aristocracy crumbled, people needed jobs, they started these corner bistros, and obviously the Americans were completely enamored by the French, so we wanted to adopt everything that they were doing. So we started doing the same, and people started vending on streets and wanting to sit together and and sell food and sell portions and it used to be family style or larger portions, and then it became the plate. The way we know it today is is the beauty of the plate. Is that where street meat came from? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that's what I call it. But it's yeah, like that's a good really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and pretty fascinating. So back in the day, like you were there, like okay, you were there. Now you're here. But back in the day, what types of food were they selling on the street? Whatever you could grow locally or get. So there was tons of farming happening on Manhattan. Before we had Central Park and all of our beautiful buildings, we had farms. And people were growing things and selling them. They were also bringing things in from other ports. It was a very exciting time. Exotic. 
And then the Delmonicos started happening. The Delmonicos? Yeah. The Italians really got in on the food scene early, and we have our, our old, old first restaurants, which I'm sure is part of the history of Nears Tavern as well. And Nears, I mean, they're iconic. They're still around, of course. And a lot has happened over at Nears, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Movies have been filmed ah, at Nears. Iconic. Goodfellas. That's right. That's right. Let's it's it's there. a wonderful tourist attraction for that too, but it's also great for their food. I think everyone should get a burger there. Woodhaven Queens neighborhood nearest tavern. You've got to check them out. When I was a youngster, I was always told, "Don't eat and talk with food in your mouth." Ah, yes. However. We're busting that wide open today. That's right. We're going to put our elbows on the table, too. That was another rule. <laughs> elbows on the table? Yeah, take your elbows off the table. And singing at the table? Oh. Singing at the table, elbows on the table, and don't Talking talk with food, with food in, your in, mouth. in your mouth. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to, like, butcher all that, right? <laughs> Just right back to that cow that you butchered up back <laughs> when right. you were eight years old. But it's old. not going to be cow, is it, Jeff? It won't be cow. No. It will be something and... I can't wait to experience this because we're about to grow. Wow. <laughs> Growing is wonderful. So in front of us, we have, we're going to eat. We're breaking you, all the rules. You get, if you guys only knew. <laughs> so in front of us, we are looking at what? Arepas. Arepas. Yes. And what are arepas for well, those of us who are <laughs> unknown? They are the glorious South American version of sort of like a taco, but they are a masa, a dough with different fillings or ingredients in them. And we chose some shredded chicken and we also chose some chicharrones, which you just had. So the chicharrones I'm about to eat. Yes. And I'm going to see what this is. Yeah, that's the cheese and the dough, which actually has like a little bit of sweetness to it in the dough. It's cheese and dough, and it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and then these big meaty, crunchy things are what? Those are the those are the like the pork skin plus meat, special, and the oh and the special sauce. So I'm dipping this pork skin meat thingy. Yeah. Into, what's it called again? Chicharron. The chicharron. I'm dipping it into the special sauce and... <laughs> you look like you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> it is really good. It tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're doing the very thing that I have often said as I'm watching television where they're hosting the show mm -hmm. and the guests are tasting this food and the audience is sitting there like right oh that looks so good <laughs> so you guys are listening to us talking and eating and this what am, what am i about to sample right now so this one looks like a slow cooked beef actually i thought we had gotten the chicken but that's not chicken that is some nice shredded beef it looks like which shredded would beef. probably be called deshebrada which say that again. Deshebrada. Okay, which I'm going to shredded. I'm going to allow to say that yes. again. So that's a deshebrada. Looks like it's slow and low cooked, with the flatter style of the corn arepa. Looks a little more like a pancake, not quite as fluffy or as sweet 
um, but different versions. And this one is Colombian. The family's from Colombia. Um, it's from Arepa Lady in Jackson Heights. Arepa and, Lady. Yep. And the Arepas will be different depending on origin. And the Arepa Lady is located where again? It is in Jackson Heights. We should have the exact address here. This um, is so good. So, but well, a well documented space that um, they've been in the New York Times. They are on every foodies tour, and this is one of the stops on the tour. And this is the hot, well, pun intended. This is a hot food item of the moment. Correct. It always is. We have so many wonderful and delicious arepas all over New York City. Um, this just happens to be a family who uh, is on 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 the radar for um, a lot of media coverage and also uh, food tours, and you can see why. It's pretty exciting. This is so good. And I can actually talk and eat at the same time. I know. I was wondering how that was going to work, and it's working quite well. Into a microphone. <laughs> it's going well. So, so Arepa Lady's located at 7717 37th Ave in Jackson Heights. There you go. So if you're in the New York area, Queens, you've got to visit. Arepa Lady. And she's located again where? In Jackson Heights at... 30, I'm sorry, 7717 37th Avenue. Just remember sevens. You'll get there. Lots of sevens. <laughs> this is so good. So I think we've covered about everything we wanted to talk about in this tasty episode. This is Are so you good. saying that just because you want to eat more, Jeff? Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> looking at this food, and I don't want to... When you're you're doing whatever you're doing as you're listening to this, and I have this little crunchy meat. What is this thing? Chicharron. Chicharron in my hand <laughs> that I'm about to dip into this special chicharron sauce. So you've got to visit this place. We are we have tapped the surface of the ethnically diverse foods We're in Queens. Yeah, we are breaking in. So visit our website queenschamber.org for all of the amazing information, services, and resources that Queen's Chamber provides. But a shout out to, and Lauda is <laughs> across <kidding>. from me <laughs> chewing, a huge shout out to Dane Chong, who, if you have not listened to our podcast, shame on you because you should. But you noticed the cover art, which is amazing. My so favorite. huge shout out to him. And he did it in multiple backgrounds. Yeah. So it was green. Which I believe it was green, gold, red. blue, and red. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. And then the outro and the intro music. Yes. Such a groove provided to us by Spencer who used to work with us here at the chamber. So good. Yeah, really good. So good. So thank you for listening. We're thrilled that you're along for the ride. Be adventurous and support your local restaurants. Peace and love to you. Until next time. Yes. We're going to. 
continue eating this really delicious food. <laughs>